Welcome to Rise of RevOps. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. On this season of the podcast, we've talked to some of the brightest minds and key voices in business and revenue ops. And today, we're bringing you a bonus episode where our recent guests spotlight the best tools in their tech stacks. But first, a word from our sponsor. Rise of RevOps is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified's Pipeline Cloud is the future of pipeline generation for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Learn more about the Pipeline Cloud on qualified.com. Let's begin with Sean Hiss, VP of Go-To-Market Operations, who gives us the lowdown on what kind of technology is changing the game at Weka. The other thing that's really interesting about our company is we have um, embarrassment of riches on a, from a technology stack. We have just a ton of best of breed stuff. Frankly, probably more than we can consume at this stage of like kind of a, at our size, but a lot of amazing stuff. Depending on the hat I'm wearing, I'll go deeper in one versus the other. But, you know, I was thinking about this and here's where I spend most of my time, right? So we're a Salesforce shop. So obviously a lot of time in Salesforce, a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of dashboards and reporting as we go through. I actually start my morning in Salesforce. So I don't know if that on the degree of nerdiness that makes me or not for this audience, probably probably not so nerdy. We've recently implemented Clary. And so I really love Clary as well for my sellers because I think it's it's got a great mobile experience. It puts the keeping updated forecasting and opportunity management kind of right at their fingertips. It's all things or mostly things you can do in Salesforce, but it's just making it that much easier for the team as we go through. Also, um, we're a HubSpot shop from a marketing automation standpoint, so a lot of time in HubSpot. And Gainsight is what we're using, uh, implementing for our customer success team and kind of thinking about that, our customer cockpit, our customer dashboard of, of what that looks like. In addition, a couple of the other side tools we've been using a bit have put in recently, and you just did a shout out. I'll also give a shout out for Qualified. We're, we're a recent Qualified customer. I think I'm about four or five months in now. Really amazing how they're tying together our data set with the visitors and IP matching. And for me, when I thought about lead flow and how do we best enable our sales team, right, and getting our customers on this on the digital buyer's journey, it's been an incredible tool for us. So I've been really happy with that. And the other one I'm looking at is Atrium. And again, that's a kind of a BI tool that lets me understand where my sales teams are spending their time, what's the kind of effort versus reward in terms of pipeline build, efficacy, activity, those kinds of things. So lots of tools on top of those, but that's probably my main kind of table of stuff I'm interacting with on a daily basis. Solid tips from Sean. Next up. We hear from Mark Shockley, head of revenue operations at Embrace, who knows your tech stack is key to automation. The tech stack is is more than just cool tools. The tech stack is the foundation of your data, and in many ways, the foundation of many process that can be automated. And so it's more than just a CRM and a marketing automation system or a ticketing system. We have, we have all of those things. We use Marketo, we use Salesforce. But we also look for tools that in many ways are add-ons that can't be maybe leveraged natively in Salesforce. And the goal of doing this is to ensure that reps and users like myself aren't doing a ton of manual work. One goal of revenue operations is always to automate, make more efficient. And so when we can leverage tools that 
create contacts in Salesforce for us or write back activity in Salesforce, show us intent of people who are on our website. It automatically assigns tickets. It's something that helps expand capacity for the team, which means we can do more or focus on other things like actually going into the data and finding insights that can shift and shape how we do business. Um, I mean, I will definitely get on the bandwagon of a lot of RevOps folks who are using Gong or uh, Achores or even, I mean, not related, but Outreach is also great in terms of automating tasks. But for Outreach to really have a tool to give you insights really into the sales call and to tell you what the rep is saying and coach them live, it has been pretty useful. And in fact, we were able to utilize, we track certain words sales reps say or the prospect says, and we call it out on the call or feed it back into Salesforce reports to try to see if there's any sort of variable or keyword or some sort of indicator that can help us on the sales call in terms of converting it to the next stage or even closing. Next up, let's hear from Matt Buren, VP of Global Sales and CX Operations at Bombora and a new qualified customer. So qualified, new customer, but I will give them credit where credit is due. I have never had a tool launch without a huge hiccup like we have. We launched last week. It's been live. It's phenomenal. It's everything that I thought it would be. So massive shout out. I'm not getting paid for that comment, by the way. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, we love it. We love to hear it. So the big ones for us, you know, obviously Salesforce for our CRM. We use HubSpot for marketing outbound. Um, we've got some really cool process between, um, you know, Salesforce and, and HubSpot, where we're actually ingesting Bombora data and building scores. So we've got three different main scores that we use, an account score, an intent score, and an engagement score. That's a combination of HubSpot data, Salesforce data, and Bombora's own data. So obviously, Bombora is part of our stack, because if it wasn't, that'd be crazy talk. Sales Navigator, Gong, you know, we use Outreach as, as our SEP. And then, you know, we've got for the CX team, we use a tool called Plan Hat that's really great that helps with um, lifecycle adoption, health scores, and things of that nature. That's our, I'd say, our core stack. And then Cognizum um, from a prospecting standpoint. Next up is Mary D. Alessandro, VP of Revenue and Revenue Operations at InfoBib. She takes a compartmentalized approach to the tools that are helping her organization evolve. So I will group them into three areas. Uh, the first one is Salesforce uh, to monitor the health of our future business. So by looking at leads, pipeline, and revenue forecast. Within Salesforce, I also use two other tools. Uh, one is called Altify uh, for account planning, and the other one is called Exactly for the revenue forecast. Then the second area will be our own proprietary tools uh, to monitor the health of our current business. And so there I look at revenue, gross profit, gross margin, and net retention rate. And the third one, I would like to say LinkedIn, uh, which I believe is becoming more and more an important tool for businesses. I personally use it to monitor how our business could evolve in the very near future uh, by keeping the pulse on what is happening in the marketplace, not only to our customer prospect partners and competitors, but also looking at all the new technologies that are coming up and thinking how we could leverage those technologies to give our customers the ability to offer 
even more connected, personalized, and on-demand experiences. And also to me, it's very important to keep up to date with current trends, um, not only to be able to better advise our customers on their existing needs and challenging them on new ones that they may not be aware of, but also to make sure that we keep up with those trends and trying to anticipate some of of them to be able to put ourselves ahead of the innovation curve as much as possible. Daniel Gray is the Chief Revenue Officer at Blend Localization. He tells us what's in his tech stack and some of the new tools that he's looking to add. I've got at the base, I'm salesforce.com as a CRM. I'm in HubSpot for marketing automation. I'm actually, I suppose, maybe hacking HubSpot for sales engagement. One of the more recent tools that we deployed within the last year was Zoom Info. Uh, so that's been a game changer for us. Now I do have, as I'm sure many of the providers for data, they have this challenge. When you get outside the United States, the quality of data, the constraints with GDPR, uh, so the quality of data, say, within me, and then even with APAC, it's a lot harder to get the same quality of data and even the intent uh, functionality that Zoom Info brings, which is really, really cool. Uh, but I'm in Zoom Info for data. And then I've got a combination of, you know, Zoom, LinkedIn Navigator, DocuSign, Unbounce, Microsoft Teams, kind of the, the whole rest of that for uh, execution. But I'd say the big, big tools that my reps use and my sales ops, rev ops use is Salesforce, Tableau, Zoom Info. And then we also have our, our own platform, backend platform uh, that, we're, that we're connected, all interconnected with. Um, and then, you know, I'm happy to comment on tools that I'm evaluating and looking to add, but that's what my stack looks like now. Yeah. What are you looking at? Uh, what are you looking to add and, and why? So I've evaluated uh, sales engagement tools like Outreach, Sales Loft, and, and that sort of thing. I'm, I'm quite interested in, in those types of, of adding those types of tools. I'm also interested in tools like Connect and Sell that allow me to produce a lot more calls, connects direct phone engagement with customers. I think that we have such an over-reliance on email these days and, and mass emailing cadences, sequences, you know, and it's just, it's just a lot of email. And at the end of the day, you know, it's this type of personal relationship that makes such a difference when you're selling. And I don't much care if you're selling services and or high-tech products, the ability to, you know, to engage with customers and prospects on the phone um, and, and even, you know, real-time chat, things like that. But yeah, the next ones would be things like, right, sales engagement, and then some level of just increasing my calls and connects. Kern Singh is partner and head of revenue excellence at Sapphire Ventures. He prioritizes tools that help make you the most effective version of yourself. The thing is that there's a ton of tool proliferation these days. Meaning, I mean, uh, the tech stack that I had back when I was at ArcSight, perpetual software days, right, which is a while, while back. I mean, I could probably put it on a single page and, you know, showcase it. And I did in my roadshows and whatnot during the HP acquisition. Nowadays, I see some of these tech stacks and the best and brightest of the, the respective tools you need. And it's massive. So the way I like to think about it is um, it really depends from persona to persona within a company. So myself as a go-to-market executive, my tool stack transparently is different than what a seller will care about. My tool stack is all about visibility and proactive visibility. So 
what I tell my teams is, look, I'll spend most of my time in our Tableau dashboards that connect everything from top of the funnel down to, you know, all the various uh, uh, data points we have from the disparate tools that we have available. What I want is a single pane of glass to be able to look at all of this and understand how the business is trending and flowing. So for me personally, visualization tools, that's where I spend most of my time, right? It's a Tableau, a Snowflake. Now, great tools like Qualified and others, right? What they're also trying to do is right, have that single pane of glass. So some of those eventually will probably replace because there's very specific use cases I'm trying to solve for as well. And funnel and funnel progression, understanding the funnel all the way from intent down, really meaningful as well. But for me, it really is about decision support tools. My teams, right? If I think about sales, marketing, CS, I see a lot of them living in their, their workflow tools or their process tools. So I've seen sales engagement tools and things to that effect be really high on the list, right? So the outreaches of the world, where they do their day-to-day jobs, right? That is super meaningful for them. You know, Gong and Chorus, there's all these other tools out there that help you understand if you're, you're, you're sort of the most effective version of yourself. So those folks are spending more time in like their, their work tools, their workflow tools, the things that, that help them run their day-to-day Although we also try to get them to be very data-driven as well and have a good insight into the reports and dashboards that they need. So it really just depends from persona to persona. But that's how I try to look at it. And ultimately, when you add it all up, you do get that big smattering of you know uh, tools that every company has at late stage. It's just a matter of using them effectively. Aja Corbett is Senior Revenue Operations Manager, go-to-market at Bread Financial. She joined us to reveal the tools she can't live without. Well, in my toolbox, my tool, my toolkit, uh, Salesforce, CRM, HubSpot, marketing automation platform, Dialpad for dialer, Insight Squared for visualization, data, Zoom for meetings. We're rolling out a CI, so conversational intelligence, sales engagement platform. Groove. So I think like outside of the brands, <laughs> the companies, the core pieces you probably need, CRM, marketing automation, sales engagement platform. It's really the top. Uh, and an enrichment tool because you need contact data, obviously. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think those are the top four. And I'm partial to Salesforce. I know that HubSpot is coming up and coming with their CRM functionality. So if you're a smaller company or you have less budget, like you could use that. It's really about setting the tools up correctly to support your business process and not the other way around. Buying the tool first because of the shiny marketing, but not understanding if it's going to fit your use case or the functionalities even there. So I think those are the core, but like my favorite tool. Yeah, that's what was going to be my next thing. I was going to say, what's, <laughs> what's what's the what can what can you not live without? Uh, I can't live without, but I am living without it for right now. Is Lean Data? Oh yeah, yeah. That I mean, the three time user of Lean Data. I have self implemented it before. Like it's just the company is a revenue operations thought leader. Evan Liang is a thought leader in revenue operations. They I respect their like their ethos a lot. And the product is good. So <laughs> they're a lead routing. Um, that's how they like kind of started out. It's like lead routing and lead to account matching. 
And it's a Salesforce app. So unfortunately, it doesn't work for other CRMs. But they have really increased like the functionality over the years. There's so many really cool things that you can do. I think that's probably not like outside of just lead to account matching, you can do territory management. They have a feature called list analyzer. So you can check for duplicates before you upload a list. And I use that, used that for when marketing would have events and then they're like, okay, here for the event, can you upload these as campaign members? I'm like, okay, great. Do these people exist already as leads and contacts? And then it gives you the Salesforce ID. If you use outreach, there's an outreach partner integration that you can use lean data to trigger sequences versus the triggers in outreach, which are more limited. Like with the like now I'm getting nerdy and technical, but the outreach te- triggers are a little bit more limited with the criteria that you can use to trigger stuff. I guess just like a smaller scope of things you can do, right? So the automation is not as powerful on that side, but lean data is, and lean data sits inside Salesforce, so you can build it all in Salesforce. Adam Tuttle is the director of revenue operations at Active Campaign. And he reflects on being his own biggest customer. Well, like I mentioned, we are one of our biggest users in the world, which is pretty cool. So from the size of our sales team to the amount of automations that we use, like at any given point, we'll have somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 automations pumping through our account that are live. So we, we use our tool wow. on a very high, high level for our own purposes. So Active Campaign is the number one tool that we use day in and day out. And I know that obviously, of course, like you all use it a ton, but you're also the best at it. So I'm curious, like when you say that number of automate, I mean, that's like, that's a huge number. <laughs> that's a huge amount. That's a huge amount. You know, and I know that you have like, you know, 100,000, way over 100,000 plus customers and all that sort of stuff. But like, what is in all those automations? <laughs> You guys start breaking into bite-sized chunks. So it's not just RevOps. It's our education team and our marketing team and our, I mean, we send things to internal people, right? It's all of those, those pieces put together. The thing that I find really fascinating about marketing automation tools as a whole, right? So like, let's be agnostic to Active Campaign for just a second, is that a lot of users... When they hear marketing automation, they think, oh, that sends email. If you were to break down, let's just say 2,000 automations, and you were to break those down, probably only about a couple dozen to a couple hundred of them, right? If you So we'll say a higher dozen. So one to 200 send emails, maybe 10%. The rest are actually doing a lot of work behind the scenes to manage our data, to build funnels for our sales teams to correct things when mistakes happen. Like there's a lot going on behind the scenes and that is where that number really grows because you might have a lot of like micro automations, which is an Adam Tuttle original coin term, (laughs) Uh, but micro automations that really are there just to do like one very simple task. Like, oh, this happened, add a tag, you know? And so there's a lot of those. And when you stack them up, then you get thousands. So what, where, where are the rest of your, your sales marketing and your, and your CS people living and what metrics matter to you? What metrics matter to them? Yeah, so we use Looker and like Snowflake to you, you know, manage our data and then Looker helps 
aggregate that and, and make it pretty. That's probably where a lot of those teams tend to live is it's taking data out of our tools, whether it be, you know, we have some homegrown systems that do a lot of our processing for billing and different things like that and connecting that data to data inside of the CRM. So if I think about it from like a RevOps perspective, it's looking at things like, okay, how many trials came in and how many deals did we create out of those trials for our SDR team to try to qualify? If we see a huge gap, because we know that we only strip out a very few, you know, small amount of, of potential opportunities, like, you know, we don't let anything that has an active campaign email address go through as like a, a an opportunity for a rep to work, right? That, that doesn't make any sense. So we, we take those out, but we should have like a very small margin of, it should be basically the same. And so we're always looking at things like that. You know, looking at how many, uh, especially on the sales side, looking at how many people are progressing through the pipeline. Like, what are our qualification rates? What are the things that we're doing? And I would say that that actually is similar to what marketing is doing as well, right? Again, we talk about, or we talked about this relationship with marketing ops, rev ops, at least in the, the context of active campaign. Marketing is the one driving those trials. But if none of their trials are converting to leads, then that's a problem for them as well. It's not just something that man, you know, matters to sales. Renee Sinka is head of revenue operations at Rudderstack. And she has a new addition to her tech stack that we would love to hear. Qualify is the most recent addition to our tool shed. So, hey now. Um, so we... We do use Qualified for our for our marketing site. We're evaluating adding it in the application as well on certain pages. But we use that for conversational marketing as well as insights and signals for our outbound team and our account executives, right? And they've that it's been very impactful for us so far. One, if I laundry list out sort of the big players, I'll start at the top of the funnel where we use Rudderstack, right? So Rudderstack is what we use to get our leads in from our application from our marketing website and sort of track as well all of the interactions that those sort of de-anonymized folks have with our website. So in the same way that qualified, right? Once someone puts their email address into the qualified bot, you're always able to, to tell that that's that person coming back in the future. We do the same thing on our marketing website, right? So if someone gives us their email in a demo request or to register for a content marketing webinar, we'll cookie them, right? And, and we'll track how that prospect is engaging with our content going forward. We'll actually also use Rudderstack to instantly enrich those or near instantly enrich those with Clearbit. So Qualified also leverages Clearbit. So we do have a good consistency, at least in terms of MQL logic and, and how we think about what a qualified versus unqualified lead is between Qualified and our marketing site. Overarching uh, as well, we leverage Tableau for a lot of the Usage insights, analytics, just different go-to-market roll-ups. So yeah, I think that's like a, that's the tool belt for us at Rudderstack. Pete Engstadt is the Chief Revenue Officer at Fordrock. He prioritizes tech that supports the strategic methodology there. We got a lot of things in our tool shed at Fordrock, actually. And again, a growing company, their needs, there's plenty of opportunities. I think it probably starts with the, and not even necessarily a tool, but a methodology. So we use MedPick from a sales methodology perspective. And when I got here, there really wasn't a, a ton of uh, rigor around sales methodology. And I thought it's something that we had to put in place. But once you put a methodology in place, how do you then drive that? And how do you programmatize that? And that's with tools. A couple of the tools, Salesforce is our, salesforce.com is our you know, system of record. 
And, you know, really we're evolving our deployment of Salesforce constantly to trying to make it more of a, again, a data-driven tool. It takes the transactions, but then how do we get that data out in a way that we can make decisions? One actual Salesforce plugin that we have is, a, is an application called Close Plan that sits right on top of Salesforce. And that helps with the discipline around MedPick and some of the pieces that we, we were able then to incorporate and make sure that, hey, we just don't have the record there, but now we have some of the strategic pieces on top of that. That's been really instrumental in making sure that we were tracking and have a, a data-driven approach to managing and maintaining all of the data that you need around a sales methodology. I can tell you the last couple of years, on the ops side of things, we've really gotten much more focused on, on, on leveraging some tools We've put uh, Tableau in place for real-time visibility, um, something that we, we absolutely needed. I think we weren't doing what, what we, we're putting our managers in the best position to, to make those decisions, those data-driven decisions. You know, spreadsheets have their, have their place in, in every company, but we had to have a more proactive tool that we could really manage the business consistently. So Tableau's gone in. We use Anaplan really to, to do everything from forecasting to territory planning, multi-year modeling. And again, that's really helped us, especially, you know, territories, right? Your growing company went from 50 to 100, 150 reps that we're going to have. How do you come up with territories that make sense? Do you have the right number of people in a certain region? Should you go into another region? Again, all that's data-driven and Anaplan has been a great way for us to, to centralize that and have a consistent approach to it. Daniel Bornstein is a VP of growth at Genpact. And he considers automation versus personalization when customizing his tech stack. So I won't bore you with everything that's in our tool shed. Instead, I'll, I'll answer the question a little bit differently in terms of how I think about what should be in a tool shed. We use kind of the common tools that you would think a company like ours of our size or even, frankly, a, a B2B SaaS company would use, for example, Salesforce or Marketo as part of Salesforce, right? Or, you know, tools like Qualified. Um, so I think we're very much trying to be on the cutting edge of what we need to license to make our business, you know, a modern sales organization and so on and so forth. But I will tell you two things. One is my approach traditionally, because I built, you know, a number of tech stacks when I was more in startups, is I always look at anything licensable or any suite of tools within a must-have or a nice-to-have bucket. If you're nice-to-have, probably you're not going to win a contract with us. If you're must-have, you're must-have. And, and I like Salesforce only, I know it's so obvious, but I'll give you like a very, very short anecdote. A year ago, I was visiting my dad and my dad is a retail investor and he invests in numbers of, you know, a number of companies, like for example, in this particular day, he said, what about Salesforce? So he knows Salesforce, he knows the financial metrics, right? He can see the growth of the stock, but he doesn't necessarily understand the business. He says, should I buy Salesforce? Now, I can give my dad any piece of advice I want on Salesforce because I'm not an employee of Salesforce. There's no moral hazard there. And I said, so I explained to him this paradigm of companies licensing software in nice-to-have versus must-have. And then I explained to him that Salesforce has this thing called ARR, and this is what ARR is. And they're so sticky because you have to customize and you have to build your own instance of Salesforce. And they have all these other technologies like qualified, for example, that bolt onto Salesforce. So effectively, their customer churn has got to be one of the lowest in the industry. So like, yes, it's probably a pretty safe stock to buy, right? So that's, that's kind of my view on, um, on licensing. And then 
One of the things that I think is interesting, and, and I don't mean to be controversial, but this is a podcast about revenue operations. Um, there's been some debate over the last few years on personalization versus automation, right? And what I mean by that is in your sales go-to-market. And there are, we all know, people are listening to this podcast know who the players are, but there's a, a set of companies that create what I call sales ESPs. They don't call themselves sales ESPs. I'm calling them sales ESPs because essentially what you're doing is you're, you're using a marketing approach to sales. Instead of doing one-to-one, you're doing one-to-many. Now, I'm not criticizing these companies because I think what these companies did is genius because they're doing well. They found product market fit and they found customers who are looking at the promise of how do I make my sales force more efficiently. But in the act of using automation, again, we're a company that embraces automation and we do it on behalf of our customers. But where does it make sense and where doesn't it make sense? So if you're treating your sales prospects like you're treating your marketing prospects, I think it's a race to the bottom. I think people are trying to find what is that latest technology or what is that latest trick to get a higher conversion rate. And they're sending these cadences and they're semi-personalizing them. And and guess what? People are smart, right? Decision makers at companies are smart. And when they're getting an email, which feels impersonal, where somebody didn't talk about their business, their issues, something that feels authentic, they're not going to respond. So it's it's no wonder when people start talking about, I have a 3% conversion rate on sales emails, like, wow, that's amazing, right? Because it's a little bit, if everybody's doing it, if everybody's automating this, it's really no different. You might as well just send emails from Marketo and those are going to have lower conversion rates as well, depending on what it is and you know, maybe it's promoting an event, has higher conversion rates. So I think about this personalization versus automation as being somebody that's worked in tech companies that wants to license the best technology as a company where we use technology to help digitize our, our, our clients' business, to help them digitally transform. And where does it become too much, right? So for us, again, and this is my own personal opinion, when we're reaching out to potential prospects, everything is hyper-personalized. Of course, easy for me to say, because as we discussed, we're not going after thousands of companies at scale. But if everybody's doing it, how effective is it going to be? So I think I'm not trying to pick on these cohort of companies. I'm not trying to pick on SaaS companies that use this kind of sales automation. And I think, by the way, it, it certainly works. Like if you're using it for inbound SMB advertising with tens of thousands of customers at scale, you need automation but there, there is a rate of diminishing returns there. And I don't, I don't feel like that's debated enough in the industry. Justin Gray is CCO at Shift Paradigm. He shares the CDP tools he's excited to add to the tech stack. I mean, of course, you've got the basics, right? Like I think most organizations have a marketing automation platform and a CRM these days. So we've always been a, a Marketo and a Salesforce shop. I think the last time we did an analysis, we've got over 60 tools in the in the stack we get a lot of technology obviously for for you know our partnerships and we've got some some great partners out there and and a robust um network of those folks but i would say at the end of the day the stuff that we can't live without certainly marketo salesforce sixth sense does all of our 
segmentation. It does all of our scoring. It does all of our digital ads. A lot of our ABM metrics uh, reside within that platform. We, we absolutely are, are an account-based go-to-market motion. We want to be focusing on our ideal clients only, so it makes a ton of sense for us. Um, let's see, what else? Print and mail. We do uh, a decent amount of print and mail, so we do uh, use Sendoso for that. Let's see, what else from a criticality standpoint? Tons of little widgets like lean data that help us route and, and, and you know, further segment data within CRM. That's kind of the core stack. Any tools that you've been trying out recently? Something, something new, something cool? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the new stuff that we're looking towards is CDP focused, right? So our, our friends over at Telium, we love their product. Um, we also love, uh, I think in, any marketing department these days should have a Snowflake instance if they don't already have one, just in, in terms of getting access to metrics that make sense, that span marketing, sales, customer success. And we see a lot of that from a customer standpoint as well. Snowflake has just gotten incredibly popular. You know, light that up with an ETL tool to extract data with a visualization layer in Tableau. And, and frankly, a lot of organizations would solve their KPIs and their visibility challenges that are created by opinionated software that doesn't necessarily jive from an architecture standpoint. So especially as we're talking about, you know, marketing, sales, customer success, bringing those together, I'd, I'd highly recommend that you know, orgs explore some sort of data warehouse solution with a light ETL and, you know, Tableau, Power BI, what, you know, whatever they have access to for visualization. Um, and I think we'd get away from a lot of spreadsheets and last minute board decks with uh, the type of additive tool set. We hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. If you'd like to hear the full conversations, I encourage you to listen back to the earlier episodes of the podcast, which will link up in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate all of you. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and we'll see you next time on Rise of RevOps. Thank you for listening to Rise of RevOps. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. This podcast was created by the team at Qualified. The Pipeline Cloud is the modern way B2B revenue teams generate pipeline. Learn more at qualified.com.